Yeah, I bought a pair of skates at United Cycle, and Ken Hitchcock was my salesperson. <laughs> this was a lot of years ago now. He sold me Micron skates. Wow. I needed help. I needed ankle support. Yes. <laughs> you know, I still do. You got a pair of those? I'd just take the, the blades off and walk around with them if I could. Uh-huh. Hey, first of all, you got to tell me what it is the nanny did in Jingle Bells? Wasn't it upsought? Okay, what stanza is that? Like the seventh? I don't know. When nanny got upsought, oh, jing- it's in there. Oh, uh, okay. <clears throat> all right. I'll have to find the lyrics on on uh, on the Internet. Yeah, just Google it. It's there. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, I didn't grow up with Christmas music. so. Uh, All right. Bruce, you've never complained about referees, and I suspect oh. you won't today. But if there was a day, this would be it. Is this the day you break your silence on refereeing? Well, you know, <clears throat> I think all the way back to last week when the Oilers were pushing back finally against uh, Carolina, sort of the one period that preceded their current win streak, and there was... Five minutes to go in the third period, and uh, they were trying to come back. Connor McDavid got hacked twice on his hands, no call. And then the play came, and the guy skated into McDavid at the blue line. He brought his stick up, but standing there, sort of to protect himself, and he got the penalty, and that was the game over. And then I remember last night when Vegas was trying to come from behind, the guy just pulls the stick right out of Connor McDavid's hand, and all of a sudden now... It's okay for the, you know, if the team is trailing, commits a foul, well, they're just trying to come back. You know, that's all fair and it's hockey. And it kind of bugs me that the league has this, it seems like a double standard in a lot of games. Well, and it's, you know, I'm the point in my life where I sort of pull all the stories that that have that similar theme and I put them in a box, like giving a a, a second-round pick for, for Peter Shirelli and it, it just feels to me like since the Connor McDavid lottery, if you can screw the Oilers, you can do it, and it's out in the open and everything's fine. Put two really great expansion teams in their division, uh, you know, make them give up draft picks for nothing, including the Milan Lucic trade. It just it feels like there's a there's a growing list of bullet points that are infuriating, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, it's a hail of bullet points at this point, Alan, and uh, I mean. This business of having to give Boston a second-round draft pick for the privilege of taking Peter Shirelli's uh, fired contract off <laughs> their hands, stuff like that. My, my rule of thumb is that if there's two teams involved, that the league uh, have to favor the southernmost team, and as Edmonton is the most northerly team in the entire league, you know where we rank when it comes. Even, even to Calgary, we lose. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, let's talk third, about... Third-round pick. Yep. <laughs> it's the punchline for everything, you know. Yeah, yeah I know. You use it a lot. Well, you know, how much is that? How much is that cup of coffee? It's a third round pick. Uh, so, <laughs> the Oilers turn around. I want you to talk about this because people don't believe me when I say it. I've been I've watched hockey for a long, long time. I remember the nineteen seventy Canadians, and they were different because they'd won Stanleys on either side, but. This Edmonton Oilers team is is borderline impossible. The hills and valleys are too much for this team, and yet we're here. Yeah, we're here, and they've uh, they've shed a number of fans along the way. I've, I've read a number of people just saying, this is too much, I can't handle it anymore. And here we are in November, what, five points out of a playoff berth, and... Uh, and uh, 
the teams that are in, that are immediately in front are no great shakes. All right, they don't have to win the, with the Pacific. They just need to uh, they just need to make the playoffs. And the last time I checked, that the, the team on the cut line was 500, as an yeah. old 500. Not even you know, uh, they were just uh, got half the possible points to them, so they're hardly out of touch. And well, the Oilers, we know from past experience, they're well over a 600 team uh, in the past two years. And there's no reason really to think that they're not going to uh, get it together for uh, a stretch at uh, some point enough to get back on top of that playoff cut line. Well, we do know that the Kale McCarr offside rule will probably impact the Oilers in the postseason. So, you know. (sighs) I saw some other team get got toes on that call the other night. Ottawa, I think it was. Well, they got to keep up the ruse now. We're playing some American team, so you know how that one worked out, right? (laughs) Once you have a ruse, you have that. The only way it works is, you know, every mob movie I've ever seen, once it's a rule, it's a rule, Bruce. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How much credit to the new coach and the new coaching staff? I don't know whether to give Coffee or Stewart credit for the defense, but how much credit to them? Uh, Massive credit to Mark Stewart for the penalty kill. Yeah. Uh, they say that he's the one that sort of took on that duty, which is, I was thinking, Paul Coffey, penalty kill. I don't know about this one. And apparently it's been Mark Stewart, and the penalty kill is 18 for 18 in the last four games. And a huge difference maker in a couple of those games. You know, the power play. There was one game the power play scored three goals in three and a half minutes, and the penalty kill gave up zero goals in nine and a half minutes. And, you know, it's, it's the special teams, which were such a strength for Edmonton before and really weren't in the first part of the season, have bounced back. And how much of that is the coaching and change of systems? Uh, I'm not expert enough in the systems to tell you what they're doing different other than to say Matthias Janmark, who wasn't always available to the previous <clears throat> coaching staff, made three great defensive plays yes. on the penalty kill last night that potentially were goal savers, each of them. Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the turnaround. I, I, I want to ask you about the center position, but before I do that, I want to ask you about uh, a little bit about the defense. I was looking at Darnell Nurse's uh, minutes since the coaching change, and he's played mostly with CeCe, but he's six yeah. goals, four or three against at five on five since the coaching change, and a lot of the, the, the goals four have come in very minute time with other defensemen. Uh, you know, it's kind of... Unusual. Bouchard, I think, is two goals for one against. Kulak, two for uh, goals for one against. He seems to be uh, uh, ad-libbing. The, the the defensive shuffle seems to be happening, and maybe it's because they they were down a man that one t- that one game or something. But uh, right. I, I'm I'm interested in your take on Darnell Nurse, and I, like I see his passing better, but he's he seems to be more authoritative, if that's the word, defensively too. Yeah, I agree. He's been a big part of that excellent penalty kill. Uh, and also, uh, uh, he, he's picking his spots on when to take off. Last night he had a great rush on the penalty kill where he jumped into the play, got two good shots away, and drew a penalty, and that put the end of that penalty kill. Uh, and he's uh, uh, We at the Calder Hockey in the last three games have graded him eight, which is our code for great game, and he's had three of them in a row now by our estimation and that was with i believe three different graders so it's uh uh, we're all seeing them good right now now if you use too many graders in the beginning of the winter do you have enough budget for later 
Yeah, well, that's the question now, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll run out around Christmas, I think. <laughs> okay, here, I want you to, I, because I lay awake thinking about these things, I want you to talk me down from the ledge, okay? I'll try. All right. So do you remember in Ought 6 when the Oilers, they had Mark Pouliot, they had some other guys, and they decided they would trade Marty Reasoner away at the deadline. They didn't need Marty Reasoner. And then Pouliot got mono, and they had to call Rem Murray back from, you know, Iceland or wherever he was. And that was their fourth-line center running through. So when I look at this, this team right now, I'm liking James Hamblin, but I'm worried about Ryan McLeod. I know he's going to recover because he's a young player and his, his previous year was really good. That line maybe needs an Ivan Barbashev uh, to go with Fogel and McLeod. But, you know, he's, he's a good player. You can't give up on him. But how long do you wait for McLeod to turn the corner in a year when you've got to have everybody pulling on the rope? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, last night he played about 70 or 80% of a pretty good game last night. He was actually involved in the play got a couple of dangerous shots made a good pass uh you know he was um he was all right but he can't score and he and when he gets a great chance he can't even seem to hit the net uh and i mean he missed an, he was five feet in front i think two games ago he got a pass direct he was directly between the goal posts it was harder to miss the net than it was to hit it and he missed it and he's been missing the, you know those very best chances and it's not even like the goalies have been been robbing him he's been hurting himself. Or there was one last night where Fogel was coming around on the wraparound, and if he stopped at the edge of the blue paint, he had a tap-in on the rebound. But, of course, he curled behind the net, and the rebound went to nobody. And that kind of stuff, over time, starts to drive me nuts, i got to say. <laughs> and then there was the play in the third period where the guy is out there for his defense, and he, too, has been good on the penalty kill. Let's, let's, let's say that. But on the tying goal, he had the goal <clears throat> scorer in the corner, he skated away from the corner ahead of the guy. He glanced over his shoulder, saw the guy standing alone in front of the net, and then he turned his attention back to the puck. And he stood five feet behind Fogel while Keegan Kosar, the deadly goal scorer for Vegas, is left entirely alone in front of the net to take it out of the air and knock it in for the tying goal. And, I mean, that just isn't acceptable. Yeah. And I, like, I'm, I love young players who develop in the system. Yeah. He's really good, but he's two point one million, and he's got to. You've got to justify your roster spot in a year when they want to win the Stanley. Yeah, well, this is two years in a row, Alan, where the Oilers have have bridged uh, two guys, and they gave them big raises. Uh, uh, last year it was Pugliarvi and Yamamoto got three million each. This year it's McLeod and Bouchard who got two and four million. So basically, two guys went from a million bucks a year to an average of $3 million bucks a year in each of the two years. And both Pugliarvi and Yamamoto failed the test. And to this point, McLeod is failing the test, and, and only Bouchard of the four is sort of delivered at the next level. Uh, once his expectations go up with the salary, of course, and you don't expect the play just to stay the same, you certainly don't expect it to get worse. But uh, it, it also kind of keeps the pressure on these guys a little bit that, that those expectations are there, and so, sometimes they can't quite handle it. Yeah. And I'm hoping that this is something he'll work through. I mean, he did have an injury in training camp, and we don't really know what it was, but that kept him out of the entire preseason. And there are signs he's getting better, but man, it's taken time. It 21 has. games. Now, 
Now, I, and I will admit, I've, I've admitted on this show earlier uh, last hour, I, I'm, I'm privately enraged that Philip Broberg isn't playing, and I think that Raphael Lavoie should be playing too. But on the other side of the coin, holy hell, James Hamblin. Yeah. Yeah, well, he uh, he just keeps sneaking up on us. You know, he uh, he was a really sharp signing, uh, even just to an AHL contract as a you know overage junior, and three year captain of Medicine Hat, and that got my attention right away. You don't see that very often, and you think that's a guy that's probably got a a lot of character built into him. And I watch him play, and he's not that big of a guy, but man, he plays a two hundred foot game all the way to the end boards behind his own net. And now finally the offense is starting to come a little bit. He's got three points in the last five games. And, geez, he probably hasn't played more than about 40 minutes in those games. So that's a, you can't expect that rate to continue. But it's nice to know that the guy knows where the net is and and uh, can uh, put the puck in there occasionally or pass it to someone else who can. I mean, last night that line had a, uh, you know one really nice goal and another, just a beautiful play that uh, – uh, from Hamblin to Gagne to Ernie that, uh, that um, uh, Logan Thompson stopped. And, you know, there was some, some real threat there. And, and it's so nice to see from the fourth line, and they've been missing it. Yeah. Uh, verse 2. A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride, and soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. He got into a drifted bank, and then he got upsought. Bruce. Upside. Is that like upset, but it has to rhyme? No, it's upside down. Upside. Oh, ups- oh, okay. Oh, upside down. Okay. Yeah, well, it still rhymes, I guess. Fanny Fanny Bright? That sounds promising. F- Fanny Bryce. Do you not know the song? <laughs> I know the first verse. In fact, I think I maybe only know the chorus when it comes to that. I know the tune. You know, what do you do when you walk? You know, like, uh, what's going on in there? To, I don't listen to Christmas jingles, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to the low down and low tide on oh. the Internet Archives. What else would I do? Bless you, Bruce McCurdy. Thank you, sir. Have a great day.